Good morning. How's everybody doing today? Good, good. Just trying to have a little fun. It's been a few weeks since I've been up here. And um, I'm excited to be back. I'm excited about this lesson series that we've been going through about, you want me to do what? I don't know if you know that's the way you're supposed to read that. You want me to do what? And so anyway, uh, we've been going through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And uh, it's been, uh, I haven't been here for all of them. I've listened to some of them online. And just excellent teaching, guys. When it comes to following Jesus in today's world, it can be a challenge sometimes because we have so much tradition, so many thoughts, opinions, and it's very easy to get away from what Jesus actually teaches, to kind of look at what he teaches, but not to really dig down on what it's actually saying. And we're going to do that this morning. But uh, is everybody ready for Halloween? Today is Halloween, whether like it or not, it's here. Is anybody fearful today? Afraid of what might happen? Were you ever afraid on Halloween? No? You were? Cody was, Chuck was, Nathan was. I think that, maybe it's, again, I don't know if this is real, this is my perception, I have no scientific data or research data to back this up, but my perception is that when we were, when people were kids in the 70s, you were more fearful of Halloween than kids are today. Does that sound fair? You know, today it's just kind of a costume party, right? Where back then we were like, what might happen? Is, is this really when evil's coming about? I mean, we saw Michael Jackson's The Thriller, right? You know, I mean, bad stuff might happen on Halloween. And uh, today it's just not that way. And so I doubt anybody. I think probably some of us here are more fearful of full moons, aren't we? Where's Susan Gabeer? I... I've heard that full moons affect things in the nursing home. Is that accurate? Most definitely. Schools are crazy. As a cop, he can tell you. Well, I, I've never had any of those occupations, but I, I, I did work as a. Uh, my encounter with full moons and them having effect on my my job came when I was in auto glass. Okay, and there was a. A uh, particular situation that I would work... I don't know if you guys know this or not. Some of you may. But there are people who make a living trimming the hooves of cows. Are you familiar? Some of you familiar with this? I was unfamiliar with this. They got this crazy cattle guard cage thing around their thing. And they, they kind of... I don't know if they strap the cow to it. Or they get it next to it. And they, they trim these hooves. But there's one gentleman, his name is Roy Snow, and he was doing this job. He didn't do it for an extremely long period of time. But twice I replaced his windshield because the cow got up on the hood of the truck. Okay? And the second time I'm doing it, I'm like, dude, what? Can't you? You know, he said, it's the full moon, Gary. On the full moon. I've done that. I did three vehicles that way, two for Roy and one for another guy. But he blamed it on the full moon. And guys, there's some things you, you know, you need to be aware of, and some things you don't. And today we're looking at a passage, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. And, uh, what I want to do is I want to just read these first three passages, the one from Matthew 6, and the one from, uh, Mark 9, and then the one from Matthew 7. 
And uh, then we're going to talk about these. So let me read these. Anyway, beginning in Matthew chapter 6, it says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be done in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they can be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Then in Mark 9, Jesus says, Truly I tell you, anyone who gives you a cup of water in My name because you belong to the Messiah will certainly not lose their reward. Now very carefully there, guys, those two passages, I had chose them, well, the first one I was given to speak on, the other one I added on there, that Mark 9, because I don't know if you noticed the same phrase where Jesus says, Truly I tell you, And in Matthew chapter 6, he says, if you do this, that's the only reward you're going to get. Right there. And then in this verse, he goes, you will certainly not lose your reward. Okay, two different situations there. One's getting a reward, one's losing the reward from from Jesus. Then you get to Matthew chapter 7, and this is what it says. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. Now we've taken, we've entitled this lesson, Be Afraid. Be Very Afraid. And I chose that topic because it's Halloween, okay? And it may, you know, based on our topic, we may have said, you know, be aware, be alert, pay attention, take heed. Because guys, this is what Jesus is saying here. When you look at those three passages there, um, And you break it down and you look at it. In fact, that these passages, especially that last one, just might scare us. And it should, in my opinion. I believe that's why Jesus... It, 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 at least it's going to call you. If it doesn't scare you, it's going to say, wait a minute. I need to pay attention to this. Because what Jesus is saying in that last passage in Matthew chapter 7, that it is possible to be religious... To do things that you think are in the name of Christ, you are saying they are in His name, 
And He doesn't know who you are. And how does He put it there? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. I mean, that's, that's, that's scary. Enough to think, wait a minute, at, at least to draw my attention to it and to say, we have to acknowledge the possibility that we can live our entire life as what we would call a Christian, call ourselves a follower of Jesus, whatever terminology you want to use, that we can be active in doing things that are things that even Jesus would want done. And then at the end of the end of the end of the rodeo, end of the show, Jesus says, Yeah, you missed the boat. You didn't do it. Does, does that sound scary to you? Does that sound like something we should go, maybe we better pay attention to this? Alright? And 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 that's what's going on here. This is this is what's happening. You see, guys, three times Jesus says the same thing in Matthew chapter six. He says, I tell you truly. They have received the reward in full. You see, those people in Matthew 7, they received a reward of some sort when they did all these good deeds that they did in Jesus' name. But there was no reward left for them. That's what Jesus is warning about. And so there's a, there's, you want to call it a fine line? I don't know how fine it is. Once you pay attention, I don't think Jesus is asking us to walk a tightrope that you just might fall off of. I think he's saying, this is something you need to pay attention to because you could go astray. You could be misguided. You see, guys, you can be, we can be religious and be lost. And I believe that's what Jesus is trying to draw a very clear distinction to this. He isn't just trying to tell us that reality, though he does want to, I believe he's drawing a very clear contrast uh, between what I like to call a rules-based religion or a heart-based relationship. I don't know if you... I've used that term a lot. I don't know if you guys thought about it. You agree with it. You don't agree with it. Aren't the rules in the Bible? Yes, there are rules in the Bible. Okay? And the rules tell you if you're hitting the target of being, having a heart-based relationship with God or not. They teach us. They, they guide us. But you can't base your relationship with God merely upon rules and your uh, performance in these rules and a ritualistic or a systematic following of these rules. You see, guys, when you get down to it, um, rules-based religion, as I'm talking about, they focus on the rules. They teach the rules. They discuss the rules. They enforce the rules. They argue about the rules. They defend the rules. And they judge. Wherever you see a someone who is very judgmental, odds are they have a rules-based mentality when it comes to following Jesus. And that's their main focus. Because that's what rules lends itself to. I was telling some folks yesterday... Um, about there, there's, a, there's a denomination out there where they have a book out about where where the different churches meet, and in the front of it they have they have designations of 
what the different congregations are like. Okay? And like some of them have, some of them don't believe in having a paid minister. So they have a designation. I believe those are called mutual edification churches. Okay? And that's kind of what we do. We don't have, though you are paid, we have mutually different people up here. Uh, there are others that, that uh, uh, don't believe in eating food in the building. Okay, it's a, it's a real thing. I'm not joking. I'm not kidding you. Uh, there is another one, believe it or not, they're called one-cuppers. You know, we just took communion, right? And historically, uh, if you go back in history, and, and there's some churches that still practice this, where communion is one cup. Everybody comes up and drinks from the same cup. That was before COVID, it was still going on. I don't know if it still goes on today or not. I don't know how they do that. But guys, in this, in this, in this book, I mean, I, I heard the story. I don't know if this is true. I don't know if this is true. Gotta qualify it. I heard the story that there was one of these churches who were one cuppers. They believed that, that was the right way. Jesus didn't have little bitty cups to pass around. They all had just one cup. We need to follow his example. They're very serious about doing things the right way. And it turns into a very legalistic, rules-based religion. But this particular congregation, I am told, don't know if this is make-believe or not, but you can see it. This church split over whether or not the cup was supposed to have a handle on it or not. Don't know if that's accurate or not. But you get the point, guys. That's what This is what when you focus on rules it leads to. It leads to judging each other and it leads to division among people. Guys, it's heartless and it's thoughtless. And rules become a guard against. You know, this passage that we just looked at, and we're going to break it down a little bit and look at more of a heart-based relationship, and I'll talk about that. But this passage that you look at right here, I've heard it discussed. And people talk about, you know, if if you look at this, how easy would it be? This one in in Matthew chapter 6, the first one we read. It says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received your reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be done in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now let's break this down about what can happen with this passage if we have this rules-based mentality. Okay? Number one, should anybody know what I give? Does it say, nobody should know what I give? doesn't say that, but that's a discussion that takes place. You know, and, and, and when you focus on that, it may be a discussion of, well, why do we take up a collection then? Because I can see you putting stuff in the plate. But we don't do that anymore. We got them back there. Yeah, but I, I, I watch people. Maybe, maybe we should come up with something truly, you know, where we can give anonymously and truly be anonymous and, and do this elaborate way of giving where nobody can see. Where, and we even have an outside accountant count the money because that way none of us knows what each other is giving. Can you see people looking at this passage and getting there? Am I crazy? 
You, you can see how that goes. And guys, this is, this is, this is what happens with rules-based mentality. With a heart-based relationship, you look at what you're, you look at it totally differently. You see guys, instead of teaching rules, is Jesus trying to give us some rules on giving here? I don't think He is. He's just giving some instruction on how to make sure your motive is good. I mean, if you're, if you're one of those people that says, let me see what I put in the plate here. I, I heard a story recently. I didn't get permission to use this, so, I'll, so I won't use any names. But I heard, heard a story about someone that brought somebody to church and they put some money in the plate and they were bragging about it. And I said, well, how did they, how did they, what did they do, you know, look at me? <laughs> and they didn't do that. He goes, no. They just made a comment later on, I bet that's the first hundred bill they ever, hundred dollar bill they ever got. You know, what's his deal? What? He's wanting to make sure he's seen. He's wanting to make sure he's acknowledged. He's wanting to make sure he's, he's, gets his points, so to speak. And Jesus is telling us to check our motives here, guys. This is what it's all about. And I think it's significant to do this, guys. Instead of teaching rules, we are taught, Jesus is trying to teach us here to examine ourselves and to look at our motives, to check my motives. See, guys, He would rather tell us this. He wants us to seek, to recognize, and to submit and follow the Holy Spirit's leading. I, don't, I, I believe most of you are aware about this, guys, aware of what's going on right now. And I'm very, very excited about this. I've been excited about this since we announced it, I guess since before we announced it. But today is October 31st. And for the next four weeks, I believe it's four weeks, we have asked the Greater Alton Church not, no, 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 to consider. We're telling you, how are we doing this? <laughs> We want you to not give your your money to the church this month in November. We are asking, most of you have heard about this. I believe all of you have. We haven't talked rather extensively about it. But we were asking you to give that money to whatever ministry, whatever need that you see. Instead of just putting it in the plate, putting it in the basket, We're asking you to ask God to show you where He wants you to use that money. You see, guys, it's very simple. And I've I've been guilty of this. Man, have I been guilty of this. You know, for years now, you know how we, we don't put money in the basket. And it has nothing to do with this passage. It has to do with convenience. Okay? Susan and I, we we don't give weekly either. We give monthly. All right? Breaking two rules there. Uh, we, we mail it in. And it goes a step further where it's programmed into the QuickBooks and once a month QuickBooks enters it and it puts it in a list of checks to be printed and we print it out and we mail it in. It has nothing to do with this passage. That just works for us. But guys, let me tell you what that becomes. It came, became for me at one time where I was realized I didn't even hear been a while since I've been up here. (laughs) 
uh, what that became for me and I realized is I'm not even thinking about it. I am putting contribution, giving my money to God, your, my tithe, whatever you want to call it. Like I'm paying my car bill, my, my car payment or my house payment. You know, just something I do. There it is, out of sight, out of mind. I've made it convenient to do. I'm not even thinking about what to give. And we were giving a, a large enough amount of money, and basically I was immune. If any other need popped up in my life, outside of this building, outside of this church, because there were other needs that popped up that we would donate to, and I'm talking about me personally, not my wife. I'm talking about me. But whenever I saw things, anybody asking for money, like you go to the, the grocery store, the local mini-mart, I saw it over here at Farm Fresh before where there was a, a basket, you know, when somebody has cancer. I'm sorry, I give all my money to the church. That was my, that was my thought. That was my attitude. And you see, guys, what we're wanting to do, we're wanting people to avoid that. I don't know if anybody thinks that way, has fallen into that, haven't thought about that. But it's like, we want you to go look and go, okay, what need has God put in front of me? And we want you to have the freedom to decide where your gift to God your tithe, whatever you want to call it, is going to be used. And guys, this is very exciting because I've done this for, for years now. I, I, I've told you this before. I carry a $100 bill around in my wallet, and I, I just, whenever Jesus tells me, hey, somebody's in need that I run into, I, I give it to them. And it, it's very cool. It's very it's fun to do. But the most exciting part about it is, the very first day that it happened, I told my wife, I said, I'm going to put this in my wallet, and Jesus is going to tell me where to do it. Two hours later, two hours later, somebody, a, a need pops up, totally out of nowhere. I wasn't looking for it, and I'm like, huh, think this could be what I was saying? Think this could be Jesus? Yes, it's Jesus! And guys, it's the most amazing thing when you start allowing the Holy Spirit and, 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 and Jesus to, to guide your life in that way and you realize He really is involved. This really is about a relationship. This really is about me representing Him to whatever need is out there, to the world. And guys, that's very, very exciting. And it's very cool to do. And guys, this is why we're doing it. Because we want you to experience this on your own. It's, and we want you to, it to be far more than just putting a check in the plate and either being content or maybe even complaining about what the church does with the money. Whatever works. We're telling you, let the Lord lead you there. Now some of you may say, I still want to give it to the church. We're not going to turn you down. Okay? We want, we don't want to close the door on that. And guys, it opens up a full array of things. When we first announced this, I was talking to my son the next week or two weeks later, he goes, I'm starting to stress about this. And I said, I'm glad you're thinking about it. And see, guys, guys, there's going to be all kinds of things that prop up. There are already needs within this church that have arisen. And we're going to be hopefully accumulating a list. So you go, man, I got nothing. And we'll give you the list. And there may be one of the, what I think will happen is we may give you, look, here's ten potential things you can do with it. And you're going to go, wow, my, my heart really speaks to that one. And I believe, and, and that's Jesus, that's the Holy Spirit saying, that's where I want you to give your money. There may be others of us, we've got it already planned out. We already know the needs. We have already, it's already happening. And there may be some of us who we get to the end of November and we still got all our money. 
And I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean Jesus hasn't answered that prayer yet. And you don't know when it's going to pop up. And you may, it's your decision. What do you do with that? Do you put it in the savings account and let it go? And it may be that in two months you have a need. I don't know. But guys, we do not want to be a church that just throws out rules to you. We want to be a church that teaches you to follow the Holy Spirit's leading in your life. Now with that being said, clearly, we're called to check our motives. And so that may be an issue for somebody in here. It may not be. But let's just be honest here. Is Jesus just asking us to check our motives with regards to our giving? No, He's not. Because that's why He goes on and He talks about the two other, two other situations in there. He goes on to talk about uh, when we pray. Don't do it to be seen by people. And then He goes on the same thing with fasting. We didn't read that, but it's down after the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6 where He says, don't let people know when you're fasting. In fact, He goes so far as to say, take steps to make sure people don't know that you're fasting. Now, I want to make something clear here. It doesn't... I don't believe He's saying, hide what you do from everybody. Don't let anybody know anything about it. He's saying, what is your motive for letting people know that it's going on? That's what these Pharisees were known for. The religious people in Jesus' day were known for making a show of things. Look at what I've done. Look at me. In fact, Jesus told a story about a, a guy who prayed, you know, praying very loud. Thank God I'm not like that sinner. And they made a show of it. And all he's saying is, guys, if that's why you're doing it, you've got your reward. That's it. Don't expect nothing else when I come back. That's his deal. So what we want to talk about very briefly today is how do I check and change my motive? You see, guys, and I'll talk about this in a little bit. You notice Jesus does not say don't give. <laughs> Make sure nobody knows, oh, I don't have the right motive. I'll keep it for myself. I think there's a different motive there. But I want to talk about five things very quickly. How do I check and change my motive? Number one is I examine myself. I examine myself. As I've already talked about, why did Jesus give us this instruction? It wasn't He wasn't giving us a rule to follow or rules to follow. He's calling us to examine our motive. To examine ourself. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, uh, I use this passage all the time because I just, I believe it's, we just need to do it. It says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. And I trust that you will discover that we have not failed the test. Now let me be very clear about this point, guys. I want to to emphasize something here. I need to examine myself. I don't need to examine you. Okay? Now I understand... We're involved with each other. The church is to be a community. And when you see somebody close to you, whether it's your spouse 
or, or your best friend or somebody. You may be involved in helping them examine yourself. But that's not what you're called to do. We're not supposed to come out of this and go, well, I will if He will. You know, if He does something about it, I'll do something about it. Or we use it to justify, or we use it to judge. What we're talking about here is examining ourselves, and that's what Jesus is talking about. He's not saying go police the church and make sure there are no impure motives. He's saying you police yourself and the church will not have impure motives. That's what he's going on. And guys, you have to understand, self-examination, this isn't nothing new. This isn't anything that we may not think about it quite like this. But this is an act that is to be an active and necessary part of us following Jesus. Luke 9.23 is a passage, it's not in your notes, but we're very familiar with it. Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. That denying of self requires examination. And so guys, examination is a, is a natural part, but that's what he's talking about here. Number two is I invite Jesus to show me. In Matthew 18, this is what he told, he told the disciples. He said again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. You guys, very significant here where he's saying, where two of us ask for the same thing together, I'm going to answer it as long as you're asking it in my name, which doesn't mean tack in Jesus' name onto the end of the prayer, though that's okay. What he's saying is you are asking for something that is according to my will, that, that is under my authority and is what I want to see happen. You ask Jesus for those things. Here's my question. Does Jesus want you to see an impure motive if you have it? Shake your head this way. Yeah. <laughs> he does. He wants you to know it. Guys, I, I dare you. I double dog dare you to pray this. And I triple dog dare you to include somebody else in on that. Because that's what he says where two or three are gathered and ask in my name. To ask God Show me my impure motive. And I promise you, He will answer that prayer. You want to know if God answers prayer? You pray that, and you pray it with sincerity, and you're gonna, one day your eyes are gonna go, oh, that's what, that's, yeah, He answered that prayer. And that's exciting, guys. That's cool. Because I believe most of us don't want impure motives, do we? We don't want to have that. I believe, I believe this could kind of honestly be our theme, an informal theme for the month of November as we, as we, as we change the way we do our contribution this month and you decide where it wants to go. We could make the theme for November, show me Jesus. Show me. 
Show me my motive. Show me where you want me to give the money. Consider that. You may just adapt that for yourself. And uh, we'll go from there. Number three. If I'm going to examine or if I'm going to check and change my motive, number three is I, f- I focus on my purpose. I focus on my purpose. Um, I was mentioning earlier about the lessons in this series. And Alan spoke, I don't remember how many weeks ago it was, three or four weeks ago, five weeks ago. And he spoke about the passage where uh, in Matthew chapter 5, where it talks about he equates being angry with murder. And I highly recommend, encourage you to go back and listen to that lesson. Uh, he did an outstanding job on it. And he went his, in his setup or his introduction to that. He talked uh, very plainly and very clearly. It's something he's been talking about for some time. But he talked about what it means to be made in the image of God. Most of us are familiar with that phrase. It comes from, from this creation story in the first two chapters of, of, of Genesis. And it's repeated elsewhere. But it says we're made in the image of God. And you hear people talk about this and wrestle with this. And what does it mean exactly? And he put it very succinctly. He, he, he says that being made in the image of God is being made to image God. It's being made to reflect God. It's being made, thank you, Cody. It's being made to represent Him and His interests in this world. And there's a lot to drill down on that, guys. It will blow your mind if you start digging on this. And when you come to understand that that is the purpose for our existence is to represent God to this world. And so guys, that's what I want to, you, we want us to focus on. In John chapter 9, uh, this is uh, a long, we read part of this passage earlier, but what's going on here is Jesus' disciples have come up to Him and they say, hey, we found a guy that's driving out demons in your name and we told him to stop because he ain't one of us. Back to the rules. And this is Jesus' response. He said, well, I guess it says this right. I just gave away part of it. Teacher John said, John, we saw someone driving out demons in your name and we told him to stop because he's not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said, for no one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me. Or whoever, for whoever is not against us is for us. Truly I tell you, anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name because you belong to the Messiah will certainly not lose their reward. You see, guys, I don't know if you noticed in all these passages, they talk about in my name. Basically, you're saying you're doing it as a representative of Jesus. That's what he's saying. You see, guys, that I, I almost I almost I don't know if I should laugh or cry when I look back at the number of people I've talked to and the number of 
of years that I spent going, I need to know my purpose. What am I supposed to do? What job should I take? What ministry should I be a part of? I've got this natural gifting over here, but I can't find a ministry for it over here. I just really don't have a purpose. Guys, I'm telling you, God is giving us one, each and every one of us, the same arching overall purpose in our life, and that is to represent Him to creation. That is what it is. Now, that's going to play out differently for each one of us. He may put any one of us in a specific situation, a specific job, okay? And that may be good or bad. You may be in a situation that you hate and you want Jesus to take you out of it. He goes, no! I want you to fulfill this purpose in that situation. That dark place that you work needs the light of Me. That is the purpose. And so guys, I really want to get you to dig down on this. We could talk about this forever. Um, he wants you to, your purpose is to represent Him in whatever circumstances you find yourself in. Some of those you choose, some of those you, most of them, I believe you do not choose those. You just end up there and God says, I want you to represent me right here, right now. And that's your purpose. And the more, you want to check your motive. You get up every morning, guys, it makes life exciting. When you think about the creator of the universe using you today, for doing something to represent Him. And He says it may be something as small as giving a cup of water. Which I think a cup of water meant a lot back then. A lot more back then than it does now. But what kind of small thing can you do and you're like, I'm fulfilling my purpose. Guys, that's what you need to do. If we're going to check and change our motive, we need to focus. I need to focus on my purpose purpose. Number four is I confess as needed. Dun-dun-dun. Knew he was going to get to something hard. Folks, confession is merely agreeing with God. That's all it is. And then, and then verbally acknowledging it. Either to Him and or to others. And I'll get that to it in a minute. But it simply says it's agreeing with God. So let me let me check this out, Gary. If I am examining myself and I'm inviting Jesus to show me, and He's going to show me, I have a choice to make on whether or not I'm going to agree with Him or not. You know, I heard years ago I had someone in our small group, and we and we are asking a question that was in a book. I believe it was the Purpose Driven Life book. I could be wrong about that. And it says, if you ever ask God if you're do if you're doing what He wants you to do, and I really love the honesty of this person. They said, No, I'm not going to ask that question because I'm afraid. He said that I'm not doing what He wants me to do. And I said, well, what example? He might want me to sell everything and go be a missionary in Africa. And I'm not, I don't want to do that. You see guys, so when you guys, we talk about asking Jesus to show you your motive, we need to make sure we agree with Him when He tells us. 
Look at these two passages here, guys. These, these go together. First one's in Proverbs chapter 28 and 13. It says, whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Confesses, they agree with God, they renounce it, they verbally speak against their sin, against wrong motives. The next passage here, guys, in James chapter 5 and verse 16, it says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Guys, a lot of times we want, we pray for God for healing. We just want him to zap us. We just want him to make us feel all better. We don't want him to change us. And that's what confession is about. Guys, there is power in confessing out loud to another individual. You are agreeing, you, again, you're back to representing God's purposes. Because somebody else is hearing whether they just need to, you, you need to have them hear it, or you are setting an example for them. When you are saying, man, I had this thought, man, I'm involved in this and it's wrong, God showed me it's wrong, and I'm committed to not doing it. There's power in that. There's power. The way I like to say it, or I see it, is, uh, you know, when we say something, you know, it's, it's like when we first see it, oh, okay, my motive's wrong. Okay, I'm involved in this sin and I shouldn't be. It's, it's kind of like we're setting a pole in, in mud, you know, and it can still move around. But when we start confessing it out loud to another person, that's when we start to pour the concrete in. So that pole won't move. And we're solidifying. We're, we're affirming to God, this is what I really, I really, I agree with you so much that I don't want to move from this place. And then I'm willing to let somebody else know about it. Fifth thing I do if I want to check and change my motives is I keep doing my good deeds. I want to be very plain here, guys. This passage in Matthew 6 is not telling you you got a wrong motive, don't do anything good. Keep doing good things. Change your motive along the way. Okay? You found you did what Jesus said you gave and you were bragging about it, confess it. And keep doing new good, do a good deed the next day or the next week or whenever. And don't brag about it. Don't brag about it. In fact, guys, it, 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 you want to know how to do that? If you find yourself in that situation, instead of bragging, give God the credit. Give God the credit. There may be some of you in situations, if you, if you check your motive, you may go, okay, I do need to keep, so I, I need to not tell anybody about this. Only talk to God about it. It may be that you do specifically, you have a desire to be seen or acknowledged, and you do do it anonymously. You don't let somebody know about it, and that's because of you. Maybe you write a little anonymous note that says, this is, this is, I'm doing this, for Jesus. Jesus wants you to have this. 
Type it so they don't recognize your handwriting. Whatever the case may be. Guys, I'm excited about November. Okay? I'm excited about the possibilities. And I believe if we check our motives this month, it's going to be challenged. Even if you don't think you have impure motives, guys. That's why, that's why Jesus makes such a big deal about this and He goes, beware. Pay attention to. When you do your acts of righteousness, don't let people, don't do it to be seen by people. If people see you, that's okay, but don't do it for that reason. And so let's keep doing it. Guys, I'm excited about November. I'm excited to hear the stories that are going to come about. I believe are going to come about. And I'm excited about the stories that I'm not going to hear because somebody's going to say, my motive's impure. I need to not let anybody know about this. Because that's growth. And that's what we're chasing down here. Let's pray and we'll be, look them up, sing another song, we'll be done for the day. Father, as, as, as people who can't claim your name, who use the title Christian, Father, that means we're here to do things in Jesus' name. That we're here to represent Him, to represent You, and to be led by Your Holy Spirit. Father, whether, whether we acknowledge that, that is, that is what it means to be a Christian. And Father, right now, I wanna, I wanna reaffirm that commitment to You for myself and for everyone in the room today that claims Your name. And Father, I want to ask You to show us our motives. Father, this can go so many different directions. Father, when we ask a genuine prayer like that, that is within Your will, that's in Your name, Father, You're going to answer it. Father, show us individually how You want us to represent You better in that area of the dark world in which each of us lives and works. Father, we want the world to see You through our lives. Father, I pray that the month of November is the beginning of that. Or, or, or a beginning of a, of just a big movement of how You opened our eyes to see things more clearly. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray this all. Amen.